0: Hello and welcome to the continuation of series two of the Detroit from Across the Pond podcast. This, the original series, started at the start of the year, but unfortunately due to COVID-related stresses, there's been a good few months off. So thankfully, I'm back continuing series two now. Apologies to my guests, uh, the upcoming guests, uh, for the delay. And today uh, I'm talking to Jewel Jingel, and I'll say more about her. But just to say that we discuss her upcoming second series of her podcast vegetarian detroit now i am really i'm pleased to say that since we recorded this podcast she's got out what is a really really good series and came up with an idea about how to manage such a difficult thing during covid in terms of talking about restaurants and food and the whole food scene in detroit uh, when many restaurants were really struggling so full marks to to jewel for doing that there'd be a couple of things before listening today, that'd be really helpful. One, if you could give me a review on Apple, five stars preferably, that'd be really wonderful. And secondly, if you... um listening to this in in the Detroit area or states for that matter but certainly in the Detroit area it's really hard for me to publicize myself in the Detroit area because I'm 3,600 miles away so if there is a way that you could publicize this for me or tell a friend or something that'd be really really uh, appreciated and a big hug from me and thank you very much on with the podcast Hello and welcome to today's episode of the continuing season two and I'm really really pleased and excited to be interviewing today Jewel Jinjeel who is a real champion for food, restaurant and the food scene in general in Detroit. Uh, she has a food blog called The Bite Tonight which is great and if you're you're in Detroit or you're interested in food there's lots of really good stuff on there. She does food reviews, restaurant reviews. She also more latterly, and, and like me is uh, working through how to do these things during COVID she has a podcast called vegetarian detroit which is really interesting really interesting and it gets a real flavor of uh, the different cuisines that are in detroit from the middle east to the far east Re- really really good oh on puddings sweets i think you would call them puddings as well so i think we'll need to discuss puddings at some point <laughs> so welcome jill
1: thank you andrew it's so good to be on the show i'm excited
0: yeah, because we've had a bit of an email exchange or Instagram exchange for quite a while now, haven't we, actually? Yeah, yeah. One of the things I'm interested in is, could you say to, I obviously outlined to the listeners a little bit about what you do and a, a real snapshot. Could you say in a little bit more detail about the sort of things that you know, you are, you're passionate about and what you do and what you try and give out to a wider community about the food scene in Detroit? Sure.
1: So before we do that, I just want to give you some... Kudos on pronouncing my last name.
0: Oh, thank you. So, yeah. Gin <laughs> and- was- So I'll say it again. I'll, I'll, I'll take the kudos. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the way that I we always pronounce it, my family is Gingel, but I always joke because I'm not even sure that I'm pronouncing it correctly. But it's interesting <laughs> to meet people that know how to pronounce it. Are or, or are Polish and can give me some insight. So was-
0: and for the listeners, could you spell it out? So, that, Because they'll be thinking, well, how on earth is this name spelled?
1: Yeah. So my my full name is Jewel Christine Gingel. My first name is six letters. My middle name is nine. And my last name is 10. So it's very small. <laughs> but my last name is, it's Gingel, and it's spelled D-Z-I-E-N-D-Z-I-E-L. So it's quite intimidating when you see it written down, but... When you learn it, it's it's easy because it just repeats itself.
0: I mean, does it mean anything?
1: Um, so Shrodek is a Polish deli in Hamtramck, and I've been there, and the the folks that work there have told me that it it means something having to do with a bird, or but I'm not. I'm not really sure.
0: We will need we at some point in the show. We need to discuss Polish food and uh, they because there's a great Polish cafe in uh, London. If you ever come over to London, mm. I know you want to uh, near the Victorian Albert Museum and it decoys and it's great. It's been there for years and they do lots of interesting Polish food. So um, and it's right in the sort of heart of London. And you've got clearly got a real passion for food. So what is yeah. it that you'd like to share with people?
1: So I kind of started um, the I started blogging about food, because I really just love really just sharing my experience. And food for me is the way that I show my love. So whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, going out to eat with my friends and talking about what we're eating or going to restaurants and experiencing like a new pop up or a new restaurant and, you know, kind of just experiencing what the chef has presented and created for Guests or family meals. So I started blogging kind of as an avenue to just talk about my love for food and share it with everybody. Uh, I think it's important to mention that I stopped eating meat about two and a half years ago. I don't really label myself as vegetarian or vegan, although I do eat vegan a lot. I just kind of wanted to do it for a lot of different reasons some ethical, some just to be healthier, but also just I found myself accidentally not eating meat for a week or so. And I was like, well, let me try this out see. <laughs> And I love vegetables. My family grew up having a garden. So I've kind of was the kid that welcomed vegetables with open arms. And I I never really, you know, kids always talk about, oh, I hate broccoli. Well, I love broccoli. It was my favorite food. I just love vegetables. So my whole idea with the blog and now with Detroit kind of blowing up in the restaurant scene in the past two years, five years or so, it's kind of just morphed into this mecca for not just restaurants but just mm. a highlight and emphasis on vegetables so you're you're seeing a lot more vegan restaurants pop up a lot more restaurants that have specific vegetarian vegan menus and just items kind of spelled out on their menu so it's really promoting vegetables and just kind of letting everybody know that vegetables are they're great. They're not boring. You know, it's not like you're just getting a side of steamed carrots. You're getting (laughs) delicious roasted carrots done in a wood fire oven with a harissa sauce. And it's just, you can really do a lot with flavors with vegetables and they're not only just a side dish now; they're a main course.
0: And and uh, you're talking to obviously someone from UK and across Europe. I don't know if it's the holds true now, but we are notorious for having terrible vegetables, ah. like cabbage and carrots that are boiled to nothing. Yeah. But thankfully, it's changing. So, and actually, listening to um, listening to some of your shows, your podcasts, or listening yeah. was that really comes through that passion for vegetables, and also in terms of the chefs that you spoke to, their passion for vegetables and, yeah. and making them really showcase case things. I was listening to one which is a, got a Thai Middle Eastern and uh influence. I forget the name of the restaurant and he and he was talking the about magnet that.
1: Magnet and that chef
0: that's it, yeah.
1: Yeah. And sadly, I want to mention the Magnet recently closed. Um just Oh
0: no, is this a as a victim of COVID?
1: Yeah. Um ho- ah, I'm, I'm yeah. hopeful that they'll open back up. Um Brad opened up to a handful of years ago. So they're going strong. Mm. Um but it's it's Thai fusion and And really, it's just a lot of uh, those flavors that come through. So it's kind of done simplistically, but also maybe using five different flavors. So maybe, or components, so vinegars or fish sauce or curry, but the flavors that Brad is achieving from using just, it's just, it's crazy. It's, it's really interesting. And it's, I'm a big advocate and my favorite I just love flavor and I like bold mm. flavors. So I tend to gravitate when I'm out eating at restaurants. I tend to go for those bold, bright flavors. So I really like Takoy. Disappointed that Magnet is, but I'm hopeful and I'm excited to see what else Brad has up his sleeve. So I, I don't yeah. think that we've seen the end of him, you know. Because
0: he's he's oh, really you. into fermenting, isn't he? And and using That's fermented really foods and lacto fermenting. Yeah. I was really intrigued by that because I make my own kimchi and sauerkraut, oh, yeah. and um, so and I, I make sourdough bread and things. So yeah. the, the fermenting bit is really interesting. So I w- that was the sort of place. I thought, oh, you know, if I come to Detroit, I've really got to try that out. Yeah, I'll and see what you know. it it's
1: Interesting because I think you know bacteria is viewed as you know something bad and and negative with food, but it's interesting.
0: And I guess. Uh, you know, you were talking about uh, vegetables are really important for you, and is that? And you said that it was a garden, and, and Detroit is a remarkable place in terms of the the amount of urban farms and the energy that goes into creating amazing vegetables. And when you were growing up, coming from that Polish background in in that culture, was that something? That, you know, sitting around the table, eating, sharing food, was that something that was important? Oh
1: yeah, yeah, most definitely. And do you
0: think that that sh- shaped how you are now in terms of that love of food and how you show love?
1: Yeah. So even uh, when I'm like not feeling good and sick, the Mm. first thing I want my mom to do is cook me a meal. (laughs) (laughs) It makes me feel better. But yeah, so that's kind of just how we always showed our love. And my mom is kind of notorious for if any of my friends would come over like me growing up or in high school she would always kind of um, shove food down their throat or we would be walking out the door. We would be like, mom, we have to hurry up and leave. You know, we have this thing. You know, just try this. She'd always be making food and really not really making it for anybody, just making it to make it to whoever kind of passed through the house. She would just try to send people home with food and care packages and stuff. So she
0: sounds like my sort of mom. Sounds great.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. that's how it's- <laughs> my parents are divorced and my mom is cooking for one and she continuously says, I don't know how to cook for one person. So she's doing that. She's still giving food to the neighbors, sending food home with me when I go to visit. So.
0: (laughs) Yeah, my mum was from Tipperary in Ireland and she's not so much food, but cups of tea. Honestly, you could not, like, I'd go home uh, to Yorkshire and I, about 300 miles from here and I'd sit down and the cup of tea on the table and I'd barely finished and there'd be another one. It was like magic. I don't know how she did it. I'm sure I didn't see her move these cups of tea, yeah. <laughs> which is very... <laughs> so the transition from food lover to food blogger, was that relatively straightforward or was it something that you just sort of developed organically? Because then you've obviously moved into a podcast.
1: Yeah, I think I was just trying to figure out um, i kind of liked writing but i didn't like it enough to want to go to school for journalism or mm-hmm. i wasn't really sure i was trying to figure out my next career path and what i wanted to do and i've always been a person that wanted has a lot of interest you know i don't just have one passion i kind of wanted to spread myself out and experience a bu- bunch of different things so i was kind of bouncing ideas off my friends and someone had brought up well why don't you just start blogging and i i thought well I don't really have my ideas together i'm not really sure what I want to do and they said well just start it and see where it goes. So I've actually started blogging, I think it's been a while, eight years ago. And it was kind of really in the beginning. And then I kind of built the bite tonight going on three years. So I got more serious about the website Mm. direction I wanted to go in. And I kind of had something concrete laid out. So I've really been blogging on the bite tonight for three years. And then it kind of just, I've always wanted to do podcasts. I started listening to podcasts um, a handful of years ago. And I'm kind of all over the place with podcasts, because I think the natural progression was I would just turn my blog into a podcast and do exactly what I'm doing, talking about, you know, restaurant reviews, you're talking just about dishes when I dine out and turn it into a podcast. But then I kind of got the idea to interview chefs and kind of do it that way. But. I have different ideas when it comes to podcasting too like true crime podcast because that, <laughs> dating you know just all all other stuff so
0: Yeah and you do and you do really well I think I really like because yeah. you What I I also like about it, because we're talking about food and vegetables, but what really comes across as well, it's also about the design. I I think I was listening to the one that the the sugar does desserts and macaroons, and she was talking about the plates and the marble tables. And and I think that that really comes through, that it's not, the food is really, really important, obviously, it's central, but actually the whole experience is really, really important.
1: Uh, Manal Hussein is the owner and baker of for the love of sugar. And she does a great job. And that was one of the first things that I noticed and it's a brand, right? She's creating a brand. Mm. Um, her plates are her brand and, and I love China and really, uh, unique dishes. So that was the first thing that stood out to me. And I remember our conversation when she heard me say that it was like, okay, you're just confirming that what I'm doing is working and like brand. Yeah. yeah. So it kind of gets full circle. So.
0: Because you see, yeah, it sounds like she particularly spent a lot of money investing in that, as, as people people do. You you've obviously been working at this for a long time. Uh, for a lot of people, a lot of people start things like that. You know, they have passion project, and then I was amazed to find I was I was at the I went to the Detroit as you know put Detroit Podcast Fest recently, all online, so it was great. I was able to do it from here in the UK, and I was amazed. I couldn't I can't remember the exact figure the proportion of people who do seven episodes of a podcast and then don't never again, which, which is amazing. But you've been working at this for eight years. That's incredible, you know, in different forms.
1: Yeah. So uh, the podcast, we launched it um, and we're finishing it up recording during COVID. We wanted to do just Mm. a pilot season to kind of, you know, put it out there and then see where it went. So I'm working with Michigan Podcast Productions, great team of people. um, Mm. Big, big thanks to them. They're amazing.
0: And they do the, the Debrief, which is a great podcast as well.
1: The Debrief, yeah.
0: One of my one of my sources of information when I was doing the research, actually.
1: Yeah, me too. So I kind of hooked up with Becky Scarcello and Seth Ressler mm. of The Debrief because they invited me on to be a guest on their podcast. And we did two episodes, and that was really fun. And that kind of put it into perspective. Podcasting was always something I wanted to do. But I think with a lot of people, I didn't know how to get started. I don't know anything about editing or recording. I don't have the equipment. So, they kind of approached me and said, you know, do you want to do this? And they kind of saw with the blog that there was opportunity there. So, I jumped right in and we did a pilot season. We only put out five episodes because the last one kind of got cut short because of COVID, but we definitely want to do season two and I would love to keep going with this. Um, it's interesting because this isn't like a continuous, you know, like we have the five episodes out, but I think people are kind of asking, okay, well, where when are you going to do more? We're not continuously recording. We're kind of trying to figure out the direction we want to go in. And it's just a weird time right now. So I, yeah. I record face to face, but you know, with you being in the UK right now, I can see yeah. you, and we're recording audio and this is nice. It kind of feels like we're you know, face to face. So so maybe this will uh, give me some new insight on recording season two, but it's coming. So season two of Vegetarian Detroit is coming. We just have to work out all the details and get it going.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, uh, aside from food, it's a weird world, isn't it? Because, you know, with the for instance, and this is the same for anyone doing anything—work or family or schooling for the kids. So uh, it's it's like you really have to stick at something, like like doing this podcast, for instance. My, my my podcast. We were talking earlier on and saying how hard it has been to get interviews, not because I don't think people don't want to be on the show. It's just because COVID is just dominating life one of the things you were saying as well that if you've been doing this for eight years and you were saying that the food scene in detroit has really exploded over the last few years why do you think that is what uh, because detroit has had a rough time for people who don't know over the years it's had a really rough time hasn't it's been a real up and down city
1: um i mean detroit's kind of known as the comeback city and i think yeah I really think it just has a lot to do with the people, right? And you Mm -hmm. know this, which is why you're so interested in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's an amazing place.
1: And their stories, they're just amazing. And I think we are driven in Detroit. We're hungry, right? Mm. And you can apply that in more ways than food. But there's a lot of chefs that I always think it's interesting. And I find it very just amazing and touching that people, chefs specifically, will have successful restaurants in other states, LA, New York but they want to come here and open a restaurant. And that says a lot. I don't know. I think it's different for everybody. I think we, you know, Andrew, you and I can just interview all these chefs or all these people and find out why they want to kind of open restaurants in Detroit. But I think everyone's story is a little bit different, but that's what makes us so unique and so interesting. And there's probably opportunity here, right? It's not a super saturated market. So maybe a lot of people just see that as, well, I'll go and open up a restaurant in Detroit and it can be successful.
0: Yeah. And I guess it's it sounds, um, uh, you know, lit from other people I've talked to. Like if you were to wanting to open money in somewhere like New York, it be the same in central London. It, it's really expensive. The rents are That's really true. expensive. Whereas I'm imagining on the whole, Detroit is, is a bit cheaper.
1: I would imagine. Yeah. And especially with everything that was happening with foreclosures and the, the housing market here, I think that there were a lot of just, um, you know, empty buildings too. So I think now... Everything is being built up. So now it's a little bit harder, but there's still opportunities and there's still buildings that are empty that can be turned into great things for any business, not just restaurants. So
0: I was thinking, you know, Detroit is a a very diverse place, isn't it? Culturally.
1: uh, That's my feel too.
0: And yeah. And do you know how many different types of cuisines are represented in Detroit? You know, if you went out and tried different foods from different parts of the world, any idea? Has anyone done that?
1: Um, So obviously I know about the Polish... Cuisine and Hamtramck. I just went to a Pakistani street food pop-up on Tuesday. Okay. There's all kinds of different things. There's a huge Mediterranean and Middle Eastern mm-hmm. um, you know, cuisine, food scene here with Dearborn. Um, Southfield and Farmington Hills has a huge Indian food scene. So not just located in Detroit, but surrounding areas, Metro Detroit. It's a little bit of a melting pot. It's everywhere. Then there's, I mean, I'm huge on Thai food. So Bangkok 96, that is just a popular like OG Thai place. Um, chef bang does really great things what else have we named i mean then the, i consider vegan almost like there's indian there's polish like it's a cuisine but now it's mm. almost like its own category so now we have a lot of vegan food um i'm trying to think american obviously um yeah but within middle eastern there's lebanese there's you know all kinds of different things yeah So yeah. You can even, and even with. Asian food there can be like Cantonese, Chinese, Thai. So there's different like sectors in
0: yeah, yeah.
1: more broad. And I, yeah,
0: and I'm guessing Detroit has a smatterings of these all over the place. And, different, and there's a lot, of, definitely a lot of Lebanese influence in, yeah. in terms of a few people you were talking to.
1: I like um, that's why Tokoya Magnet Chef Brad Greenhill is really interesting because he's really just highlighting you know all his different. Influences from Hmm. countries, Jordan, Thailand.
0: Yeah. And I think he was mentioning, was it Georgia? Yeah, the ca- Caucasus, which sounds interesting because they've got a, I mean, an amazing tradition of wine. I think, isn't it? They claim to be the first place in the world where wine was produced. I think also Kefir as well. I'm sure that was goat skins in in Georgia or something. That's how it sort of developed. Yeah. So, which is quite is interesting. So, do you have a favorite cuisine?
1: If I had to pick, I would say probably Thai.
0: Thai, yeah. I mean, You've talked about that. You, you, your eyes light up when you mention Thai. Actually, oh yeah,
1: um, it's interesting because. I think my tastes have really transformed as I've gotten older. And when I was Mm -hmm. younger, um, I always try to say, don't yuck someone's yum, right? So if you
0: (laughs) don't yuck someone's yum,
1: don't don't (laughs) portray that onto someone else because it's easy to do that with children and parents, right? So when kind of kids are developing their flavors, but my mom doesn't like curry and she doesn't like coconut milk, she doesn't like coconut. Oh, really? time, okay. I didn't. I thought that I didn't like those things. And then my brother actually was really into Thai food, maybe like within the past 10 years. So he would force stuff on us, much as my mother does, right? He gets it from mm. her. Um, <laughs> force course, uh, try this curry dish. And I'm like, I don't like yeah. curry. And I always was closed, not closed minded, but I would say maybe I just didn't know enough. And I always thought that curry was yellow curry. Like that's what I didn't like, but there's red curry there's green curry, all kinds of different curries. And curry is just a sauce. It's not just a spice, right? So now I love curry. I love green curry and I love red curry and I love all of it. And I love coconut milk and I cook with it at home. I'll buy a can of coconut milk and I'll buy a little curry paste and I'll make my own kind of dish. And it's really good. So I think just everything you can do with it, Thai food, or just kind of that area is interesting to me because of just the opportunity and just I can get really creative with it.
0: There's a yeah, lot. Where I used to live in Brixton uh, in London, which is a very diverse, very, very diverse, really amazing place. And although it's not necessarily a place you'd go as a tourist, but people should because it's fantastic. And there used to be not far from where I lived, there was a, a tar- what we call a greasy spoon, mm-hmm. which would be like, you probably have them like sells bacon and eggs and things like
1: that for breakfast
0: yeah. a diner yeah a diner. but it was a thai greasy spoon so it's cool. owned by these thai people uh but they had a scottish woman and a, an english woman who cooked all the bacon and sausages and eggs and things but at the same time you go in and the, the thai family were there cooking amazing thai food so it was such a different mix of people You get all the office workers the people from the council students going in it was fantastic it was Really good. You would have liked that. But it's not there anymore. Sadly, it's closed. So lots of things. I'm just going to reveal one of your secrets. So you went off traveling around a bit of Europe, didn't you? I it oh, a year a year before? A
1: secret, but yes.
0: So you went to the Balkans, didn't you? A part of the Balkans.
1: I did. So um, interesting, right? My first time to Europe. And I, I yeah. think it's great.
0: It's not where t- people would typically go. They no. go to Italy or France or London. Yeah,
1: so <laughs> <You> went- <laughs> I went to Montenegro. Croatia and Bosnia and it it a little bit of you know a vacation uh you know yeah. vacation but also a lot of culture. So one of my really good friends Inda is Bosnian. She grew up in Bosnia and moved over here when the war was going on when she was
0: born. Okay, yeah.
1: Um so she she has a lot of just culture and nice things to share. So when you mentioned tea earlier that's one of the things when I go to her house it's coffee. So, when you have guests over in horticulture, that's what they do. They serve coffee. And I have oh, okay. um, yeah. an empty coffee cup, and it's great. Yeah. So, we went traveling around um, the Balkans for 21 days. We went to Montenegro first for about a week. And I've never even heard of Montenegro.
0: Have you not? No. no it's no. not, I mean, it's not exactly high profile in Europe, but.
1: Yeah. But one of her friends in Denmark said we were thinking of where we wanted to go. And she recommended going to Montenegro because I guess it's where billionaires hang out or something. But it's but it's not <laughs> super touristy yet, so it's a really nice place. Yeah. It was beautiful. We were right on the Adriatic Sea. I was in the yeah. sea for the first time. It was really cool. It was a great experience.
0: Ah, uh, but it was, and what was the food like? It was so, quite meaty. I would imagine.
1: Yeah, so that's the thing. I don't I don't want to say that it, the food was uh great for me because yeah. Bosnia is a very meat-centric country yeah. and their famous dish, uh is like meat in pita. Um and I did try it when I was there because I also believe that when you go somewhere, you should experience the culture and mm. I wanted to see what it was all about. So I did try it and it was good, but you know, also not not my uh, first choice, but I ate a lot of salads and yeah. I think as vegetarians or people who don't eat meat, I had the luxury and a little bit different because I was eating seafood, but you know, you kind of get sick. You don't want to always eat French fries and pizza. And that is kind of sometimes what yeah. the options are. So as far as hot meals go, if there's not fish or seafood, so it's kind of like, you don't always want yeah. to salads. So
0: where else would you like to go in Europe?
1: Everywhere. And
0: All right. Fair enough.
1: I It's kind of interesting because with this trip, there's other places I would have picked to go, but I love culture and I love to travel. So I just figured well, I'm I think at the time what I was thirty three, like I not hmm. giving away my age, but I wanted to <laughs> uh, you just kinda gotta start, right? that was probably fantastic first trip to Europe, like what where oh, you would yeah. go, but you gotta start somewhere. So Oh yeah. I really wanna go to London. Um I wanna go to I want to go to Poland just because yeah. my own roots. I want to see.
0: Yeah. What's the best meal you've ever had?
1: The best meal?
0: Yeah, putting you on the yeah. spot. The best meal you've ever had. Mm-hmm. Come on. That's you've had a good few.
1: A hard decision. I'm. It's hard for me to choose just one. Um, The best meal I've ever had. For me, it's, it's hard to pick just one meal that stands out. I have to think of uh, cuisine or, you know, mm. things. But I traveled to St. Kitt's in the West Indies a couple of years ago. Uh, Emily, one of my really good friends, went to vet, vet school there. Oh, and wow. She So I would go there. And we they have the best lobster, so Caribbean lobster, and they serve it with pumpkin. It's just roasted pumpkin, but it's, it's so good.
0: If someone was coming to Detroit and, and assuming that it was all, you know, depending what happens with COVID, but it was sort of okay, where would you take people where, where, which one one place would you take them to?
1: I guess I would first ask them like what their uh, dietary preferences or, you know, cause it's, there's, Andrew, there's so many places. I have a whiteboard that I have a list of restaurants that I haven't even been to in Detroit. There's
0: really, you are organized.
1: There's so many, I have to, I mean, there's so many restaurants that are popping up that, and then there's so many restaurants that have been around for, a while that there's so many new ones that popped up that those got pushed to the back burner. So I have a list. So I think like if you came to Detroit, mm. you being vegan, I would take you to my favorite spots. I think that Nosh Pit is already on your list because Yeah,
0: it is. Yeah. yeah. Detroit yeah. Vegan Soul is on my list.
1: Okay. Detroit, I would take you there. I did order carry out um from them. I won a gift card. So uh
0: yeah. <laughs> did you? Oh <laughs> congratulations.
1: Thank you. Um their food is amazing it's really yeah. good. It blew me away i think uh vegan food for me can go one of two ways right because it can actually be healthy or it can actually mm. be like processed and fried yeah
0: yeah um,
1: detroit vegan soul uh does really good things and it's super mm. healthy and they're one of the few vegan restaurants that you can't really tell it's vegan for me like that's what i look for when i go out and, and looking for vegan food is is it seamless like if you didn't know it was vegan would you be able to tell
0: yeah it's very yeah. Good. Yeah, because I saw I saw um I think it was a video I watched of them. And it's stuff we, we like, they were doing I think it was like a it was like a catfish type type because that's the thing, you get the African American and also the deep south, and because we don't have catfish here. Yeah. I mean I don't know what the equivalent is, so but it just sounded great. But
1: there's a list, so we would have to do a food tour, and there's a list.
0: Um I'm very impressed. You're really serious to have a whiteboard. This food food blogging is a really serious business, isn't it? You've really stuck with it, and I guess it you know, the podcast, which is great, came out at such a tough time. You know, if you're a food blogger and you want to talk about food things and it's really, really really hard. Uh, And and I know a lot of people have it harder, but what's the next direction for for your podcast? And have you any ideas? Are you keeping that under wraps?
1: No, So I've thought about like what I want to do with season two. And um, I don't know if I want to have like an overall theme. I kind of like what, you, you know, I've listened to your podcast and I've kind of gathered a few things that I like. And I think I think it's nice to have a couple episodes that are unique and have a curveball. But mm. I think right now, I just kind of want to stick with the present and what's going on in Detroit and just in the world. And we're seeing during COVID uh, and the pandemic, we're seeing a lot of restaurants having to shift what they're doing. So mm. restaurants that are offering grocery, groceries, grocery boxes or meal prep or... So I, yeah. I want to highlight that. Um, And there's always been an issue with access to food, right? So there's a lot of people, especially in Detroit, that don't have access to Mm. fresh produce or just food in general. So I think I want to kind of tie that in somehow, but also stick to what I'm interested in. So, you know, focus on those big flavors, those restaurants that are doing unique things. Um, And then highlight vegan stuff too. So think just a little bit.
0: Uh, It makes me feel hungry just listening to it all actually. It sounds great. And because you've been going away so long and it is really impressive because I I know how hard it is to keep motivated and keep doing these things. And sometimes people see the externals and it all looks really easy. And actually there's a lot of hard graft goes into this. What would you say to people, especially during this COVID time where energy is maybe depleted and people are feeling less hopeful? What would you say to people about How do they keep on? How do they keep going with their dream or their vision? What would your advice be having been plugging away at it now for so long?
1: Just to do it. Um, And I kind of heard this from a lot of different people. The the Detroit Podcast Mm. Festival uh, kind of Mm. emphasized this as well. Um, Don't wait until you have everything perfect, right? Um, If you have an idea or if you want to do a podcast, just do it. And then kind of learn and see how it evolves right practice perfect mm-hmm. so eventually if you continue to do something you're going to get better at it so yeah um you know i mean i was super scared i've never done a podcast i've never interviewed it's anybody.
0: terrifying isn't it
1: it's terrifying but <laughs> it's fun. when you do it you look back and i and i kind of did this i reflected back on like my first interview and i was so scared and of course you always think it's worse than it really is but no one really mm. knows the end product isn't it looks better? You can make it all pretty and edit it and wrap it up. And so my advice that is
0: just to. They sounded great. All the, all your interviews sounded you. great.
1: Yeah, that means so much to me because I was terrified.
0: Was brilliant! You know, I really really enjoyed them. Really enjoyed them.
1: And also another uh, piece of advice would be if you're nervous or fear like fearful about something, that's a good thing, right? That means you really want it. And I try to kind of just think about that like, okay, well, I was really nervous to do the podcast. And that means that this is something that means something to me. So I should do it and I shouldn't be afraid. And I'm a type of person that, if I'm not challenged, I'll get bored. So. If you're scared to do something, that probably means you should do it right and overcome your fear, yeah. and it's going to be great. Yeah. So yeah.
0: So I have I have two final words to that I need you to, to ask you about. Okay. Well, one no one of them's no one of them's three words I think, and one word. For the first word is pierogi, so I need you to talk about that. Okay. I really need you because I love things like gnocchi stuff like that, and the second thing is Superman ice cream. Oh. Which. I need to know. I I might have missed it on the podcast. I saw it on your website, but I have no idea what it is. So um, the contrast and so yeah, fire away.
1: Okay, so pierogi, uh, Polish dumpling, right? Oh,
0: oh, yummy.
1: Um, it's this is perfect that you're bringing this up because tomorrow <laughs> my mother and I are going over to one of her friends' houses and we're making pierogies. So we're doing oh, like really? a pierogi day. We do this um, maybe once or twice a year where. We just kind of make like hundreds and hundreds of pierogi.
0: So, wow. I used to, it was years ago when I worked in London and I used to work where I was working. There was a, a lovely Sikh woman, and in, an in, in fact, she was a trans, an interpreter for me. And she told me she did that. She used to get all their family over. Yeah. They had two chest freezers and they used to make on a weekend hundreds and hundreds of samosas. Yeah. And they just, oh. for the whole year, and so you do that with pierogi as well.
1: This is kind of a new tradition, but um, like I said, I, I
0: need a picture. I really need oh, a picture God. of this for the website, please.
1: Yeah, there's going to be hundreds of
0: pierogi. I'll give you one. There's going to uh,
1: post about it too on the website on the Bite Tonight. But I didn't have, you know, I didn't grow up with my grandmother's teaching me how to make pierogi, so it's just something. Um, my brother ended up getting us like a, a book, and he bought a mm. pierogi mold, so. <laughs> to do it because it's something we talked about for a while but never did so this has been the second year that we've done it so it's fun it's exciting it's just a reason to get together and you know it goes back to like just hanging mm. out and making food together and showing our love through that and then we'll freeze them and we'll have them through the holidays and then we'll have them like okay pull them out of the freezer so uh we're gonna do three types of pierogi we're Ooh. gonna do traditional uh sweet farmer's cheese probably okay. like a potato and cheese I think my mom is going to do like a loaded baked potato. So like the the scallion, the bacon, the cheese, mashed potato. Wow. And then I always like to do like an interesting one. Going back to my whiteboard, I have a list of different types of pierogi that I want to make. So I think we're going to do a sun-dried tomato and feta cheese one. So we'll see.
0: Oh, wow. And out. are they always savory or can you have sweet ones?
1: They're always savory. I'm always. Savory. Savory. I'm I'm more of a savory person than a sweet one, so we always okay. Get savory.
0: Okay, so pierogi. That's that sounds great. And are you putting the recipe on your website?
1: Um, I don't know if I want to like disclose that.
0: Oh, generic recipe, perhaps
1: it is. I mean, it's just a recipe I got out of a cooking book, so it's not
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, so pierogi, and now Superman ice cream.
1: Man, ice cream. So it's a it's a Midwest thing, specifically in Midwestern states of the United States, Michigan. So um, it's combining the flavors of, I think it's cherry, blue raspberry, and lemon, but it's not like a sorbet or like a sherbet. It's more like a creamy- Fruity, have you heard of or have you ever had Blue Moon ice cream?
0: No, nope, never heard of it, actually.
1: Also a Midwest thing, so it makes sense that you have not heard of it. But Blue Moon is only the blue raspberry component. of. But it's it's something that I grew up eating, and it's my favorite ice cream. It's delicious. But now people have gotten really creative and made Superman cheesecake, Superman cookies, Ooh. Superman cake. So now it's not just a traditional ice cream. It's kind of um, molded and transformed into other things. So...
0: how exciting
1: when you come to detroit when you visit i'll take you out for ice cream
0: it's really oh that sounds great actually that sounds good so do i tell you what it's been such a good uh wonderful insight into your world the world of food in detroit and also wider afield the balkans and other parts of the world and uh where do people find you if they if they want to listen to your podcast if they want to look at your sort of blog and find all these excellent recipes on there where and where would they look for you
1: sure so the podcast is available anywhere you listen to podcasts so apple podcast podcast spotify it's called vegetarian detroit um if you google it you can probably find it that way yeah and we have an alexa skill so if you just say alexa play vegetarian detroit it will start playing
0: wow i haven't got one of those yet i don't know how to do it
1: i'm not that i'm not that tech savvy the web the website and the blog is called the bite Tonight. And it's um, spelled out The bytes, the number two. Yeah. It's N-I-G-H-T. And that's the website. You can also follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, just at The Byte Tonight, completely spelled out. Um, you can also listen to the podcast via the website. So there's a couple different avenues. If you're not super savvy with podcast apps, you can just go to my website and I have the episodes posted there.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. So that's Great. Oh, so thank you. Thank you, Jill. That's been great, actually.
1: Yeah, I was super excited to be on the podcast and it's, it's everything I imagined and more.
0: Well, there you go. It was really, really good to be editing this uh, show again. And thank you once again to Jewel and for her being so patient and to all the other guests that are coming up soon. I'm planning to release episodes every two weeks now. It was every week, but every two weeks now, as I also have another podcast related to Adrian Mishler's social media community called Cooliverse, if you want to check that out. In terms of... uh, I. I asked at the beginning, if you can do a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be wonderful. I think you might be able to review elsewhere, not on Spotify, but if you can, that would be great. And also, if you happen to live in the Detroit area, if you can tell people about this or publicise it somewhere, that would be great because it'd it's really nice if people in the Detroit area, one, knew about it, but two, if they enjoyed it, listen to it. That would be great. I look forward to editing and publishing the next episode. Take care of yourselves. Bye.